Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome to episode 110 of the podcast. I'm on the crest of a wave this week, folks. I'm feeling really good. I did mention to you last week I had a big announcement coming. That announcement went out on my social media last week if you haven't seen it yet. The news was that we now have a release date for my new book, Weight Loss Simplified. I'm so excited. I genuinely cannot wait to get in front of a crowd again. For the launch night, I'm going to be speaking on stage in the Radisson Hotel in Sligo for roughly an hour, 75 minutes. Just bringing some absolute value bombs. Some gold nuggets will be in that night. I can promise you. It's going to be the best night of 2021. If you're not booked in yet, seriously, folks, get on it. It is going to be incredible. It is a free event. I cannot do much more for you. From a couple of Facebook posts, we've already got about 100 people booked in. Capacity is 220, I think. So we will hit that. It will be pretty close to it. I would suggest getting on it as soon as possible, guys. If you're not already booked in, because we have a good bit of media stuff coming up. And once we do that... It'll sell out pretty quickly. So yeah, it's a free event. Cannot wait. The concept is I'm going to get on stage. I'm going to share the secret sauce with you for weight loss. Give you some of my absolute best stuff. Over the last couple of years, I've helped in excess of 700 people to change their body, their mindset and their life. And what I'm going to be bringing to the Radisson Hotel that night is the very best of what I've seen that really, really works and that people need. So I'm not going to answer questions like, What about the sugar and fruit? I'm going to give you the stuff that changes your life. That is what I'm going to give you in the Radisson Hotel. So if you haven't got yourself booked in, please do shoot me an email or shoot me a message on social media. I would strongly recommend getting there if you're somebody who genuinely wants to create change and create lasting change. Or if you're stuck in a rut and needs to get motivated. It's just going to be inspirational. It's going to be incredible. I am, I'm genuinely, I I can't even express how excited I am about it. First time back in front of a proper crowd post-COVID and yeah, I'm just, I'm over the moon. I can't wait. So yeah, that's the first thing I wanted to speak about today. Just to let you know that that is coming up and please do get on it if you're not booked in already. I'm feeling quite grateful this week. There's a lot of gratitude flowing through me and genuine gratitude because as dramatic as this sounds, I'm lucky to be here today. I'm very, very lucky to be here today. I was in work, sorry, I was in Belfast for work on Monday. And when I was driving home, there was a little bit of a road incident. So effectively, I got back, was driving back to Sligo, had a great day in Belfast, doing some work with some amazing people, people who inspire me. And I was just absolutely on a high coming back, driving home, listening to a podcast as I usually do, just cruising along in my own little world. I was somewhere outside Manor Hamilton in Leitrim. And the next thing I realised, there was this car coming flying towards me on my side of the road. So effectively what had happened was he was one of these guys, or maybe girl, I don't know, I didn't have time to see who it was. It was one of these people who was behind a whole line of cars and decided to overtake all of them at once. And this car was just coming careering towards me. Literally everything just, it's funny what happens in a moment like that. It was like just time stood still. And in the space of, it couldn't have been more than maybe a split second, two seconds. I just found myself just even so calm in that moment. I don't know what came over me or, you know, when you're in that situation, it's just so strange. But I literally, thankfully, there was a a hard shoulder. I just swerved in on the hard shoulder, avoided him by, I would say, a couple of foot. Couldn't have been any more. Honestly, the speed he was going there was nowhere else to go, only the hard shoulder. I had a split second to make a decision to get myself in there. With the speed he was going, I'm pretty sure it was it was lights out if he'd hit me head on. That was that was how close it was. So I'm feeling a lot of gratitude this week. I don't mean to start the podcast on a heavy note, 
but it does make you realise what's important. It makes you realise what's going on in your life and where you're wasting time and where you need to spend your time. Because in that moment, it's just like it just happens so fast. And uh, in in terms of the time itself, it was probably two seconds just between making the decision to swerve out of the way and actually doing it. I had about two seconds, but it just felt like time slowed down. And I just felt so calm. I don't know what it was, but I just knew exactly what I had to do, even though I didn't have any time to make the decision. It's amazing how quick your mind works in situations like that. It couldn't have been more than two seconds from seeing the car coming right at me to actually just swerving out of the way. Um, thankfully, there was a hard shoulder there and there was nobody in the hard shoulder. So everybody escaped unharmed. There was no contact between the cars, but... I think, um, yeah, somebody would have been up on manslaughter charges if I hadn't been in that kind of nice, calm, collected state that I was listening to a podcast and I was in control and I was cruising and I wasn't stressed. And at that, I just kind of found the responses were in the right place. So when it happened, I was I was OK. But yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude this week because it was it was a scary, scary couple of moments. But anyway, today's podcast is on. It's a follow-up to last week's one. So last week, we spoke about three fitness myths that just to watch out for. I'm going to give you seven more today. So I decided I'm going to bring it up to ten. I have a little bit more time. Last week's podcast was quite rushed. I was racing for time, so I just decided to give you three. So I'm going to give you the remainder today, and hopefully you will find something useful in it. Last week's ones were probably for almost complete beginners, I would say. So there's some very basic stuff in it if you're just starting out. We're going to advance it a little bit more today. So as you go on with your fitness journey, just some more things to watch out for and things that just maybe to bring some attention to, because some of you will fall into traps with this if I don't bring attention to it. And when I do, you're probably going to go, yeah, that makes sense. But maybe you wouldn't have actually thought of it yourself. So without further ado, we have three last week we gave to you, which were, let me just have a look. I have them written down here. The three were beware of anything that doesn't make sense. Beware of advice from somebody who doesn't put the advice into practice and the third one was beware of overkill so number four is what i'm going to give you today number four is what got you here won't get you there so what got you here won't get you there one of the biggest mistakes we see with people within the industry is when they come in fresh they get really good results because usually they're coming from a very base level they're coming from a place where they have a much trained experience or maybe they have some but they haven't really been doing the things that get them results so when we make a few changes be that in training be that in nutrition sleep stress management whatever the variables are when we sort out a lot of that stuff people do tend to get results if it's done properly if your coach is good they'll get your results what can happen is that people become very loyal to a certain way of doing things. So you get into the headspace of thinking, well, this is what's worked for me. This is what I'm going to keep doing because it's worked in the past. And five years down the track, you're still doing the same training that you were doing, you know, when you started bringing in results first. Ultimately, your body is adapted and therefore you've hit a bit of a plateau. You're putting in the time, you're putting in the reps, but you're not really getting anything from it. You're not moving forward. So... You need to kind of disassociate from feeling like my loyalty lies with this one particular training modality because it has worked in the past. What got you here won't get you there. You need to keep evolving and you need to keep stretching the vision. You need to keep challenging what you're doing. Keep pushing yourself. So don't feel like I have to just walk because walking got me results initially. Maybe it needs to push beyond that. So you need to look for progression in your training and you probably need to look for a bit of variety in your training as well. So not been afraid to mix it up, not been afraid to try something different. So, for example, if your initial goal was weight loss and maybe you've hit a place where 
you've got the result you wanted. So you're at a weight that you're comfortable with. You feel like it's pretty good for you, but maybe you could still be in better shape. Well, at that point, maybe just the goal needs to change. So maybe it becomes more about fat loss rather than weight loss. So the difference there is you could bring some weights into your training and you're gaining a little bit of lean muscle. So you might not necessarily see the scales changing, but you'll see your body changing. You'll find that you are leaner, you're fitter, you're stronger, you're more athletic looking. More lean muscle you have, the more fat you'll burn. So just being aware sometimes that the goal needs to change. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over and over just because it has worked in the past. So what got you here won't get you there. That's number four. So number five is train the whole body, not just the part that you dislike. Train the whole body, not just the part you dislike. One of the biggest examples that I give time and time again on this, and the reason I give the example is because so many people do it and will know what I'm speaking about. It's wanting to lose fat from the stomach area. So they just do ab workouts and they see ab workouts on social media and they go, yes, that's what I need because I've got fat around the stomach area. And so they spend all of their training time doing sit-ups, doing leg raises, doing crunches, whatever. In reality, that's not going to work for you because those ab muscles are quite small. If you have a layer of fat covering them, you're pretty much wasting your time doing ab workouts if the goal is to remove remove stomach, remove stomach fat. So yes, the, the ab workouts will strengthen the core for sure, they'll strengthen those muscles. But if there's a layer of fat covering those muscles, you're never going to see them anyway. So the goal needs to be to remove the layer of fat, which actually means reducing your overall body fat percentage. So the way you do that is obviously sorting your food out first, but also training the whole body, training every muscle group. The more you work those muscles, the more fat you're going to burn because that muscle needs to be fueled as well. So train the whole body. Don't just say, oh, I don't like my stomach or I don't like my triceps. So therefore, I'm just going to target them and I'm not going to do anything else. That is not going to optimize results for you. So please get away from that mindset of going, this is the area of my body I don't like. So I'm just going to zone in on this. Train the whole body and the area that you don't like will start to improve, as will your whole body. Every area will improve. And that's a win-win. That is a win-win. So that's number five. Number six, stop blaming your parents. (laughs) Stop blaming your parents. That's number six. So genetics make up a huge part of of any training routine. I mean, it's something that's undeniable. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, okay, don't worry about your genetics. But at the end of the day, it does play a role. There's no question about that. When I was younger, I played basketball quite a lot. Played a lot of football as well, loved football, that was my main sport. But when I was younger, probably started playing basketball in national school, would have played it into my early teenage years. I was quite good at it, I was okay at basketball. Until I came up against guys who were way taller than I was. So I'm about maybe 5'7", 5'8", at the moment. Um, I'm not overly tall. But when you are coming up against guys that are way taller than you, well, you're at a disadvantage in basketball. That's the long and the short of it. You're at a disadvantage. So that comes back to genetics in a way. Like if there's a guy who both his parents are six foot four, the likelihood is that he's going to be a lot taller than I am. And that's genetic advantage. So we need to just acknowledge it first and foremost, but then also shift it away from blaming that for holding us back. Because all you can really do is say, okay, there's a bit of a disadvantage there, fair enough, but I have to play to my strengths. So if I'm in a basketball court, there's not much point to me worrying too much about I'm not as tall as somebody else. It's what are my strengths? And I was pretty good at carrying the ball and picking out passes and things like that. So that was probably my role. It did get to a stage where I drifted away from basketball and probably the fact that it was quite small, I was never going to make it anyway. But football took over. That was my true passion. That was my love anyway. And that was something that genetically I wasn't particularly limited at. It was fine. I could fit in and play to my strengths. So that's one thing. But also... 
when it comes to getting in shape, a lot of people blame their genetics. A lot of people go straight to, oh, but sure, everybody in my family is overweight. And sometimes genetics is even used as an excuse. Because you can say everybody in my family is overweight. Have you ever looked at the possibility that maybe everybody in your family eats too much and doesn't move that much? That's a reality for a lot of people. Sounds harsh, but it's a reality. So it might be genetic or it might not, but you can use it as an excuse. And even if it is genetic, I would still reframe it. And I would still say, you know what? Okay, maybe I'm genetically at a disadvantage. That just means I have to work a little bit harder. That's all it means. So you can use it as an excuse or you can say, I'm just going to get my shit together here. Stop blaming it on my parents. Stop blaming it on family history. Stop blaming it on genetics. I'm going to just change the pattern. Even if all of my family lead unhealthy lifestyles, even if all my family genetically are unlucky, I'm going to break the mold. I don't care if I have to work a little bit harder. I'm going to break the mold. I'm going to do what I need to do to serve me, to bring out the best of my ability, to actually achieve the things that I want to achieve in life. I'm not going to lean on the genetic thing anymore. I'm not going to follow what the rest of the family do. I'm going to break out. I'm going to start putting my abilities into practice. I'm not going to lean on anything anymore. I'm going to step up. I'm going to stop using excuses. Might be genetically at a disadvantage. So what? I'm going to work harder than the other three people in the room. I'm going to make sure that nobody's going to outwork me. And I'm going to be clever about how I train as well. I'm going to get some help, get some advice. Because everything is possible. You can say genetics. You can use it as an excuse. Or you can let it drive you. Hand on heart, guys. I have worked with people who were at huge genetic advantage, disadvantages. Sorry. And they ultimately ended up being some of my best clients. And I'll tell you why. Because they wanted it more. That's why. Because people who are genetically gifted, they're often the hardest to work with because everything has come so easy for them that the drive is not there. The resilience is not there. I actually think being untalented is a gift because it means people work harder. It means people have a better attitude. It means people are a lot more resilient. And ultimately, when you've got those traits, they're the people that win in the long run. And I'm not even just talking about getting in shape here. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about career. Very, very often, the people who are not very talented, who are not blessed with talent, who weren't born with incredible talent, they're often the people who end up winning in the long run because they've had to work harder for it. So this is why I come back to point six of stop blaming your parents. Because you can do that and you can go through your whole life blaming your parents. You can go through your whole life blaming genetics. You can go through your whole life telling yourself a story that you're not talented and that other people have it so much easier than you. Other people, it just came naturally for them. For some, maybe it did. But so what? That doesn't mean you see a stop sign. That doesn't mean you still can't do just as much. Because you can make up for it in other ways. You don't have to be super talented. If you've got a great attitude. If you're willing to get out there and work your arse off, if you're willing to do what it takes, you will more than match those people. You'll probably beat those people. In the long run, you will win if you drop that loser mentality, if you drop that mindset of blaming other people, if you drop that excuses mentality, if you step out of it. You know what? A lot of our self-limiting beliefs go back to our childhood. They go back to stories we've conditioned ourselves since we were very, very young, Reasons why we're not good enough. Reasons why we can't do what others do. In some cases, we've been told by other people we're not good enough. 
childhood bullies, things like that. And for a lot of us as adults, that's still with us. But the only people that are holding us back at this stage is ourselves. Because as you sit listening to me right now or you're standing or you're walking or whatever you're doing, is there anybody right beside you now saying to you, you're not good enough? No, there's not. The only person that's saying it to you is you. It's the voice that's in your head. So the only person that's holding you back is you. You can tell yourself stories. You can tell yourself it's other people. It's not. It's you. For a lot of us, it's something we've carried from a very, very young age. Now would be a good time to say, you know what? Get out of my head. Get out of here. Stop telling me I'm not good enough. Stop trying to bully me. Get out of my head. Because every single person listening to this, you have enormous potential. Enormous potential. Whether you feel somebody else is genetically more gifted than you or not, does not matter one jot. What matters is what you can do. What matters is taking the focus off other people. Taking the focus off the person that's super gifted. Taking the, per- the focus off the person in the gym who's a bit of a genetic freak and doesn't have to work that hard to get into incredible shape. Take the focus off that and play to your strengths. Because maybe your strength is not being super talented. That's a strength. I believe it's a strength. I believe it's my strength. I'm not even just talking about you, I'm talking about myself. I believe it's my strength. Why did I build a business that I love? Why did I build a life that I love? Was it because I was more talented than anybody else? Was it hell? Not a hope. I wasn't the most talented person. I wasn't the most knowledgeable person. I wasn't the most gifted person. I didn't have huge finances put behind me. I didn't have parents who knew everything about the fitness industry and could give me a silver spoon. I didn't have any of that. Tell you what I did have. I had a huge amount of determination. I had a huge amount of desire to succeed. I built a huge amount of resilience as I went by failing repeatedly and getting back up. And I succeeded because I developed a great attitude. That's playing to your strengths. That's why I say you can end up winning in the long run. You don't have to be super talented. You don't have to be a genetic freak. You don't have to have everything handed to you. You're probably a lot better off if you don't have everything handed to you. When you've had to work for it, you appreciate it so much more. And that's when you'll create lasting change because you won't want to let it go when you've had to work for it. If it was handed to you, it doesn't really matter to you. It's worthless. So point number six, stop blaming your parents. Number seven, stop thinking you know best. (laughs) Stop thinking you know best. That's number seven. And I'm speaking to myself in some ways here as well. I've took on a business coach, I've mentioned a few times on the podcast, about a year, year and a half ago. Incredible business coach, incredible team of coaches working under him. And it's just elevated me so much, elevated my level so much. I made a rookie mistake when I first went into his coaching program. And I thought, I'll take the bits that I like and then I'll tweak as I go. And he caught on to it pretty quickly. And he was like, are you implementing? I was like, yeah. He said, okay, what have you done? I said, well, I've done this, this, and this. And he's like, okay, so why have you not done X, Y, Z? I was going, oh, I don't really think that'd work for me. And then he just said something that really awakened me. He said, you know what? We have tried and tested this stuff at the very top level of the industry with people who have achieved so much. And we figured out to uh, pretty much like to within an inch of its life what works and what doesn't work. And he said, we're only giving you what works. We're giving you a blueprint for success. 
Why would you mess with that? I thought, wow, wow. How right, how right. And I had a little word myself. So you know what? I have invested huge money for business coaching to have a business mentor. And it's somebody who is at the very, very top level of the industry. So this business coach that I've got has worked with guys who guys and girls who are the absolute world leaders in the industry. He has made some of these people millionaires. They have thriving, successful businesses. So why would I not listen to what he's saying? Why would I not follow the blueprint to the letter of what he's shown me that works? And I think that's what a lot of you guys need to hear as well. Because I do see this as well in my own coaching program, with my own clients. And I see it with the general population. I'll take the bits that I like and I won't do the rest. Why would you do that? If you've invested in improving yourself and in bettering yourself, why would you not just follow and do what you're told to do? Why would you not just go, okay, I'm going to trust my coach. He's got results for other people. He knows what he's doing. Why would I try to put my own spin on it when, let's be honest, your way hasn't worked for the last five years? You've tried to do it yourself. You've gone round the houses thinking you're going to get successful, thinking you're going to achieve your results. Hasn't worked, which is what leads you to a coach in the first place. And there have been times even when I've got on the call with people, these are people that I haven't taken on, by the way, where I'll speak to them or they'll send me messages on social media and they're telling me how it's going to be. So they'll tell me, well, I want X, Y, Z. So in relation to their training and normally what they're telling me they want is probably a version of what they've been trying to do themselves and it hasn't worked. So I'll come straight back and I'm going, okay, look, you're here for a reason. You're here because your way is not working. That's the reality of it. I know how to get your results. I can give you that blueprint. But it'll be done my way. I'm not going to be dictated to, especially if you haven't been getting anywhere in the past. And usually it's because what they want to do is something that they really enjoy. Even if it's something that's not getting them results. So as a coach, my job is to help them fulfill their potential. My job is to help get the best out of them. But ultimately my job is to get them results. So sometimes there has to be a bit a bit of straight talking in that. I can't buy into their bullshit. I can't buy into their excuses because if I do, all I'm doing is enabling them to keep going on the same path that they have been on. So sometimes I've got to step in and say, okay, look, I get that there are certain parts of the program you like and I get that there are other parts that are harder that maybe you're stepping away from, but you have to trust me here and you have to just follow what's working. Follow what I know works. Stop thinking you know best. You probably don't if you haven't been bringing in results. And my mentor, actually, Phil Graham, he did a great TED Talk recently. And it's kind of going against some of the common theories that are out there. The title of his TED Talk was, The Customer is Nearly Always Wrong. So you can imagine that probably got a few people's back up. The Customer is Nearly Always Wrong. That was his TED Talk. And when he actually did that TED Talk, it made so much sense. Because this theory that the customer is always right... Not necessarily, especially in the world of coaching, because if they're coming to you, they're probably not right. That's the very reason they're coming to you in the first place, because what they're doing hasn't been working. So the customer is nearly always wrong. 100% correct. Definitely in the world of fitness, definitely in the world of health, definitely in the world of coaching. If they're coming to you, it's because something is broken. It's because what they've been trying to do is just not working. So the customer is nearly always wrong. So please remember that, guys. When you're getting solid advice from somebody that has a good reputation or somebody that you look up to or somebody that you know within the industry that's good, 
please take it on board and don't feel that you know best. I don't, by the way, I, I don't take any offence to it whatsoever. I'm only saying this because I want you to be aware and I want the very best for you. But I know myself from having conversations with people every day of the week. Like People ask me for advice pretty much most days, I would say. There's rarely a day goes by in my life that somebody doesn't ask me for advice around be it weight loss or something to do with fitness or getting in shape or whatever it is. Pretty much every day somebody will ask me for advice in some form. What I have noticed is a huge, huge cohort of people will ask for advice and then when you don't say what they wanted to hear, their eyes glaze over. And they're going, oh yeah, thanks a million, that's great. And they're walking away and I'm walking the other way and I know they are not going to put that into practice. I know everything I've said has gone in one ear and out the other because they didn't like it. Because it wasn't what they wanted to hear. It wasn't me kind of giving them platitudes and saying, oh yes, you're so right, what you're doing is great, keep going. Because that's what a lot of people want to hear. But it's not what they actually need to hear. If I had given a different answer and I had told them, pretty much just give a, give a validation of their opinion, then they would have loved it. And they would have walked away just bouncing, thinking, yes, great. But effectively, when the conversation ended and they didn't and we went our separate ways, I'm walking away knowing they're not going to do anything with it. They're walking away knowing they're not going to do anything with it. And there's that unspoken, wasn't that great? And as if we've both had a great conversation to help people and both of us know there's going to be no outcome from it because there's going to be no action taken on it. So please bear in mind, guys, whatever you want to achieve in life, people have done it before you. Success leaves clues. It's one of my biggest mottos. Success leaves clues. If I want to do something in business that I haven't done before, I will research who is the person that has done it. Who's the most knowledgeable person in this area? And and you know what? It's not even, it's not even who's the, in inverted commas, expert. For me, it's who has done it. Who's done it? Who's living it? Because I see so much, again, with probably social media in particular, I, I, one of the things actually that I think is a good example here is the likes of social media agencies and companies. I think people, you know, set these companies up because they maybe enjoy social media and they have a bit of knowledge in it. But ultimately, a lot of them haven't got their hands dirty. And I find that some of the advice that's been given out, I kind of read it at times or listen to it. And I think you've never done this. Because if you were in the middle of it, you would know that that maybe in theory is good, but in reality doesn't work that well. Because I've grown a business myself on social media, so I'm pretty alive to these things. And it's just something I see. So if I wanted to grow a social media business, the first thing I would do is I would go to somebody who has done that before me, who is a really engaged audience and who is bringing value to people and who actually has a good loyal clientele, not necessarily about numbers, but people that value that person's content and who actually engage and, you know, just there's a nice feel to it, a nice buzz about it. As opposed to going to a social media agency who are telling other businesses what to do. And like I've literally seen these agencies who have maybe a thousand followers themselves, you know. Um, and it's the same a lot of the time with business coaches and things like that too. I see a lot of people setting up as business coaches that have never run a business in their life. And that gets me kind of thinking, well, why would I pay you to tell me something that you haven't actually done? So, you know, I think it is important just to figure out who's done it before Who's an expert in this? Who's actually got results? Who's a proven track record? And if you can do that, listen to that person. Listen. So that was point number seven was stop thinking you know best. Number eight, 
Stop trying to avoid discomfort. We're doing a lot of the stops today. So stop trying to avoid discomfort. That's the next one. Train outside. Go and train outside. Harden up. Be tough. Build resilience. I see, again, numerous, numerous people that just want an easy way. They want to avoid discomfort at all costs. I see people who drive to the gym so that they can run on a treadmill. It blows my mind. Drive to a gym to run on a treadmill. If you hadn't got into the car in the first place and just ran, you'd be outside. You probably would have a better run because you've actually got a natural environment where there's natural hills, there's maybe a breeze, there's different variables that you go to a treadmill and it's just pretty much you staying in your comfort zone again. Probably putting it on the flat, probably putting it at a nice comfortable pace in a nice warm environment with the television in front of you. Get out of the comfort zone. Get out of the comfort zone. That's one thing I really see with people now. We are so programmed for comfort. Nobody likes to step away from it. But actually discomfort is where you will accelerate your results. Because when you go out into the frost and out into the snow and out into the wind and rain and you do your training out there, that builds resilience. That builds character. That will then build your mindset. That will overflow into everything you do. It won't even be just your training. But if you constantly look for comfort, life's just going to be hard. Life's going to be hard if you constantly need comfort. And we're so conditioned to it now that as a society, we're pretty much taught that comfort is normal. Because we all want it. We all want the lovely underfloor heating and the fancy house and the lovely luxuries that go with it. And we want our fancy gem memberships and our heated seats and the car. We're all so conditioned to it that it has been normalised. And then the person that actually doesn't do it, the person that does go out running in the wind and rain and whatever, it's like, well, why would you bother? Why would you not just go to the gym? Why would you not just do whatever? Like, it's not a bad thing to do the difficult thing, to do the uncomfortable thing. Might not do it all the time. Some days it might be nice to go to the gym. But don't avoid it. Don't consistently avoid the discomfort. Because if you do that, you're never going to progress. You're constantly going to be, going to be stuck where you are. You're never going to move forward. Going back to point one where we said about developing your training, one of the reasons people don't do that is because they like the comfort. They get addicted to comfort. I'll just keep walking now because I don't like running. Well, why do you not like running? Of course you don't like running. It's because it gets your heart rate up. It gets a sweat going. It's uncomfortable. But you know what? If you try it, you'll adapt to it. If you stick to it for two or three weeks, you'll start to adapt. It'll become a little bit easier. You'll get stronger. You'll grow as a person. Your fitness levels will increase. Your body will adapt. You won't be so out of breath. It won't be so uncomfortable in a month's time, in six, in six weeks' time. You will adapt. But you have to embrace that discomfort. And then when it does get comfortable, you step it up again. It's a never-ending process. You step it up again. But you have to be willing to get uncomfortable. If you just keep trying to avoid discomfort, I promise you, you're going to be constantly restarting this journey. And again, it's what a lot of people listening have been doing for half their life. They'll do it while it's comfortable. And as soon as it gets tough, they'll bail out. We're getting into that time of year now where it's evenings are getting dark. Weather is going to start changing over the next few weeks. That's when we really see who's committed and who's not. Because the people who are fully in, who are embracing it, they'll find a way to get the job done. The ones who are kind of half in, that like the idea of it and like the theory of it, they'll bail out. They'll be gone until January. And then the panic will kick in. Look at all the weight I've gained. New year, new me. And then they'll do the same thing again. They'll get stuck in for two or three weeks. And then they'll put it off till the summer when the weather's a little bit warmer. Embrace the discomfort, guys. It is not a bad thing. If you embrace it and you do the work in this weather in all conditions, life gets easy. 
It's easy to train then when the weather is good. It is easy. It's a breeze. It's a pleasure. But just do it when it's hard. It's like getting up on stage to speak. You just got to keep doing it. It's never going to be easy. Nobody would do it. Genuinely, nobody would do it. If it was a case of actually saying, you know what, I'm going to get up there for the fun of it. Nobody would. It's not fun to anybody. It's hard. It is It is the hardest thing I've ever done. For any speaker, I'd say they'd say the same thing. Most would at the beginning. It's so hard. It is so uncomfortable. It is torture for a lot of people. It was torture for me. But you just keep putting yourself in that position. And you embrace the discomfort. And a little trick that works quite well for me. And I use it in speaking. And you can use it in your fitness journey as well. Figure out what's on the other side of that discomfort. Figure out what the benefit of it is. So what are you going to get from it? It's almost like you're on one side of this big wall. And you've got to climb this huge wall. And it's very challenging. It's a high wall. And you're thinking, how am I going to get over that? And you're thinking it's just so difficult how am I going to climb that wall because look how high it is look how challenging it is but when you figure out what's on the other side of the wall you go what's in it for me if I was to get to the other side why does it actually matter that I do this well when you figure out that you'll break down that wall never mind climbing over it you'll break down that wall you'll push through it you will do whatever it takes So ask yourself that. What's on the other side of the wall for me? In a speaking context, the biggest driver for me was sharing my messages with my audience. It was, I can help these people. I know I can. That's what's on the other side of it. I can impact these lives. I can genuinely help these people to transform their lives. That was a huge motivator. I also knew it would help to grow my business if I put myself out there. It would help me to stand out in a crowded marketplace. They're the things you need to figure out. What's on the other side of the wall? So if you're on your fitness journey at the moment and you're looking at that wall, or maybe you've been in that comfort zone, ask yourself, what's on the other side of the wall? Is it something that is worth going through that wall for? Ask yourself that question. Number nine, don't get so serious that you forget to have fun. Don't get so serious that you forget to have fun. Probably a reminder for myself this week. I mentioned to you earlier at the start of the podcast, I had that little incident on the road where it gave me a little bit of a, a little bit of a reminder about the importance of life and what's good in life. And one of the things that can happen for a lot of us is we get so caught up in what we're trying to do, be it in business or in fitness, that we can forget about other aspects of our lives. Over the last number of months, one of the key things I've been working on is in embedding fun in my life. So fun is a key value for me at the moment because I know I haven't done enough of it over the last few years. I've been so centred on business. I've been so client focused, just doing everything and anything I can just to help as many people as I can. What also happened was that I really took my eye off the ball in relation to my own life, in relation to a lot of aspects of my life. And I wasn't actually having fun. I was in work, don't get me wrong, but I mean fun as in that childlike, innocent, go and enjoy yourself type of fun. So that's the sort of stuff I'm talking about here. So I decided a couple of months back that I was going to consciously make a decision every week to book in some fun for the weekend. So now during the week, I look ahead to the weekend. I say, what am I going to do for fun this weekend? And I'll put that into my schedule. And that to me is as important as my training now. And it's as important as work. And it's something that I want to make happen. What I've seen with that is 
no matter how tired you feel you are, or no matter how you feel like your mood is low or your energy levels are low, when you book in some fun and you go and do something that is really enjoyable, be that with your family, be that with your friends, whoever it is, when you go and do something that's fun, it shoots up your energy levels. No matter how tired you feel you are, I guarantee you will feel so much better when you come back. So now I make a conscious effort every week to have fun. It's something that I don't want to forget about again. It's something that I don't want to do what I've done in the past, put it on the back burner and say, Asher, I'll have fun at Christmas or I'll have fun during the summer when I go on holidays. And by the time holidays come, you're so wound up that you can't have fun anyway. So now when I actually take time to have fun during the week, when Monday comes, I'm genuinely refreshed and I'm re-energized and I'm buzzing to go with the week again. If I don't have fun, the weekend actually just starts to drift and come Monday morning, I'm probably more wrecked than ever. I don't feel like I've had a break. So that's the importance of actually having fun and making sure it happens. Put it in the diary, schedule it, plan it. If it's, it's like anything, if it's not planned, it won't happen. People have this lovely romantic idea about being spontaneous. If it's not planned, it won't happen, guys. That's the reality. So plan it ahead. Make sure it's happening. Make sure you're having fun. Life's short. Enjoy it. So that was number nine. And number 10, the last one. And, and sorry, actually, just go back to number nine briefly as well. Not just about work. That happens in fitness too. So I have very much... I have a rounded life with regard to fitness because I've been doing it for so long that it's not novel to me anymore. It's just part of my everyday life. It's not something that I overly think about. But for new people that start out in a fitness journey, what can happen is that they get really addicted to the results and they actually love seeing the physical change in themselves and they love the lifestyle. And ultimately, that fitness journey can take over their whole life. They can become so focused on that that they let every other aspect of their life drift. That is something that I would just like to bring awareness to because you don't want to get into that situation. It can isolate you. It can cause problems with in relationships, even with the people around you. Just keep in mind that fitness and health, they're part of your life. They're not your life. So it's like a healthy diet should be part of your life. It should not be your life. There has to be room there for an odd meal out with friends, with family, with whatever, that you can have little treats, that you're some ways kind of normal about it. Seen a statistic today that just came out, 49.5% of dietitians in America suffer with disordered eating. And I've spoke about this on the podcast before. I haven't experienced disordered eating as such, but I have experienced situations where I would eat out and every single time I do it, somebody makes a comment to me. And it would be something along the lines of kind of the little nod and joke and elbow of, oh, should you be eating that? Am I hilarious type of thing, you know? Um, after the 57th time, it's not really that funny to me anymore, guys. Um, so, yeah, like that's that's a comment that has happened. It, it happens every single time I eat out. Like, I'm not even kind of blowing that out of proportion. It is every time. If I eat out in public, somebody will say it. It'll be, oh, should you be eating that when I'm having dessert? It'll be some sort of smart comment. And it's not that people are being nasty or malicious. It's that people think they're kind of being funnier. They're breaking the ice. They're building rapport with you. But 49.5% of dietitians in America suffer from disordered eating. And I'm pretty sure it's down to comments like that. And that constant reinforcement of you have to eat healthy all the time. You should be seen to do what you preach. You have to be on point 100% of the time. And you don't. You have to have a life. That's my opinion as well. There has to be a bit of balance to it. So don't get into that mindset of fitness is everything. My diet is everything. Food is everything. There has to be balance to it. So make sure that you're making time for fun as well. Don't let your whole life be centered around your fitness journey. You want to make a part of your life. You want a healthy life. But a healthy life to me is a balanced life. A healthy life is not trying to be 100% perfect all the time. That's as harmful sometimes as some of your past eating behaviours. 
and healthy or unhealthy behavior shall we say okay number 10 last one be prepared to move beyond the hurt be prepared to move beyond the hurt similar to getting out of the comfort zone be prepared to move beyond the hurt don't go through the motions with your training that's what a lot of you will do it's what a lot of you will be doing or have been doing going through the motions feeling like i'm doing the work i'm turning up every single day but in reality you're possibly working at a four out of ten when you could be closer to an eight or a nine if you actually decided i'm going to kick it up a little bit here i'm going to push myself on a little bit more and actually doing the hard reps the easy ones are the ones at the beginning when you're nice and fresh I actually want to see you pushing through the part where it hurts. And one thing I see with a lot of people as well, especially the likes of runners where you've started out, you're kind of new to it, but you've built up a decent enough level of fitness. They'll stop around the two, three K mark. And I'll tell you why they stop. They stop because they hit what they think is their threshold where it's getting really uncomfortable. Lungs are burning. They're getting a little bit short of breath. It's just, you know, legs are starting to feel it a wee bit and you feel like, oh, I have to stop. What you will discover if you make a decision on that and you say, I'm going to push through this, you get your second wind. And if you keep going about 500 metres down the road, you feel a lot fresher. You feel like you're actually ready to push on again. So that's what I mean when I say go beyond the hurt, push through that. Because when you think you're done, 99% of the time you're not done. There's more in you. And especially if you're that new person who started running, don't give in at 3k don't give in a 2k you will get your second wind and i always think if you can run 3k you can probably run 10k you can definitely get to five it's pushing beyond that initial oh this is uncomfortable i need to stop i'm at my threshold here you're not trust me you're not there's another bit in you keep pushing on if you go through that 3k get to three and a half get to four you'll do five you'll get your second wind you'll feel an awful lot better there's usually more in you so that is number 10 be prepared to move beyond the hurt so that's it for this week's podcast, guys. We've ended up a little bit longer than the last few weeks, so I hope there's a bit more value in it for you, and I hope you found something in that. Make notes, take stuff away, think about what's relevant for you, and bloody well apply it. <laughs> Don't just take notes, apply it. That is it for this week. As I said at the start of the podcast, the book launch, Weight Loss Simplified, is set for the 18th of November in the Radisson Hotel in Sligo. About 100 seats gone already, so we will be close to capacity beyond before too long i would say i'd love to see you there and i would love to put faces to names if you haven't been in touch with me before you're just new to the podcast or you follow me on social media i'd love to meet you so pop yourself on the guest list and come along bring people with you book them in though make sure they're booked in anybody who's not on the guest list won't get in guys i'm telling you that now you won't get in if you're not on the guest list so please don't turn up on the night randomly and um, shoot me an email shoot me a message on social media get your name on the guest list and i would love to see you there have a super week speak to you soon